Welcome back to an all-new Super Mario Brothers podcast, where we take one step closer to the edge, but we're not about to break. I'm Super Mario Brother Matt. And I'm Super Mario Brother Dan. Celebrations are in order, Danny. Can you believe we are hit the inaugural event that is our birth of the Super Mario Brothers? Can you believe it's been one year already? By God, I remember that one year ago. I had probably an extra one cubic centimeter of hair on my head, and you... No, it's still no I'm still bold. Yeah, still bold. <laughs> we, yeah, we're not cancelled yet. I think that's the most impressive thing. I don't think you can get cancelled from something that's free to air, but I've, as far as anyone's been closest, I think we are right on top of that margin, I'd imagine. Well, no one has written into SoundCloud asking yeah. can that law come into position. So I think we're doing something okay. Yeah, we're boosted up our fan base, you know. Uh, it turns out we do know people in Italy and that, so we've got you know, at least three fans now. So thank you to those guys spreading up, but also to our fans as well who have been on board for a year, you know. Uh, it means a lot. That's why we'd like to do it, to, to uh, engage with our fans and to bring you guys the news and all that kind of stuff. And uh, this week we thought we'd do something special to treat those fans, Danny. Exactly right. This time here, we actually even put it, the onus back on you. So mm. trying to really commit, trying to really win some more brownie points for us being our well, being year. being you know forward thinking and uh, innovative is quite hard. So we just do the next best thing, and that's get the ideas off of our fans and friends because you know we're lazy. Exactly right. And you can't get angry at us. Well, I guess you can because we chose that answer. <laughs> but we did choose to be lazy. <laughs> we did choose to be. No, no, that's society, mate. It's society's uh, construct. So tonight we're going to share with you our special presentation, and that is the top 10 songs of the Super Metal Brothers. That's each. So it goes to the top 20 because we uh, sent out on the uh, Facebook wall. If you want to go to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Super We put out there, what do you guys want to uh, have us uh, cover as a topic? And Ben Saunders uh, came out with the goods. So for Ben and our fans out there, we decided to do 10 of ours each rather than 20 each because I just don't think people would be that bored in life. I just don't think there's, I think there's rules about, about being that bored in life, Danny. Oh, exactly right. I mean, it- I think people can just tolerate us speaking at the amount of time we do speak. If we like build another 10 songs each, oh, mate, we'll be here too long and people just start switching off, just like you are doing. But right now, <laughs> let's go straight to the news. Kicking things right off the, uh, right off the, I guess, the bat for our inaugural presentation tonight. Linkin Park, Chester Bennington, the critical of the fans. He's gone uh, out and attacked the fans about uh, the hybrid theory. Most people uh, that have a lot of respect for the album... I think it's got the heaviest that Linkin Park is ever going to be, you know. And we know what what would you describe as Linkin Park to people who 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 wouldn't know who they are by any chance, Danny? Oh, I mean, Linkin Park they were massive when pretty much I was going through high school. They were part of the new metal phase, you could argue, where they were um, pretty much trying to mix like a bit of hard rock with a bit of industrial rap sound to it, and a bit of electronic music to it, etc. A bit of bit of bit of big mixed bags of everything. Um, apparently now though. They've also decided to go down the same path as other bands, including Suicide Silence and all that remains that we talk about later, where yep. they decided to change their sound and um, the fans are apparently don't like it. And he's gone with the um, strong move of attacking your fans. So yeah. a winner. So rather than being like, you know, I've got we've got a passionate fan base that love a certain style of us and acknowledging it, they've gone into the head and gone, you know what? And this is a quote straight from Chester. It's been effing years ago. It's a great record. We love it. Like, move the F on. Uh, why not just grab their basic their lunch every morning, take a massive dump in it, close the bag, leave it there for three days, and give it back to them and say, there's your lunch back? Because that's what they're preferably doing, just shooting themselves in the foot. Exactly. Again, I don't understand these people who where they think attacking your fan base works. Uh, we're, we're not Saturday massacres, mate. There's something... 
which you just assume you just don't do. Well, the frustration is if the band now wants to go down a heavier road, they're going to look like a bunch of idiots. Like, let's say one day they just want to write an album as a throwback to that album, you know? Now it's going to be like, yeah, well, we're a bunch of hypocrites, but we are, you know, Linkin Park, so you, we can't be mad at us. But Corey Taylor had a little few words to say to him, Danny. Did he really? I actually didn't read that part. Well, he kind of didn't because he said basically he was understanding that band, uh, fans can be frustrating to fa- bands because obviously some bands want to evolve and stuff. So Corey's like, look, he gets where they're coming from. But um, the one thing he wrote and that they should hear from him is that they should be understanding that they still have fans going to their shows because right now the only thing that could be saving them are those old school fans who want to hear those old school songs, they might stick around for 40 minutes to hear two or three tracks. Yeah. So to say to those fans, yeah, like we don't like that album stuff, maybe they're just like now going to make it very hard for themselves. Yeah, I think people need to listen and learn from um, Opeth, how they transitioned from being heavy to pretty much a progressive rock band now. Uh, I'm not sure what Mikel said in that transition period, but whatever you said, it, it worked because they're going from strength to strength. So even, I mean, some old school fans have left, but they've actually retained quite a few of the old school fans as well. So, um, yeah, keep well, people really have to study that guy. Well, he doesn't like telling them to stay at the door. I think that's another one thing, you know, where these other bands like Suicide Silence and Linkin Park are like, um, just get over it like a, you know, a frustrated teenager would react to such things. I think Opeth have the maturity to say, yeah, it's cool. If you like those old stuff, you know, I like them too. We're going to play some of those songs for you. Uh, right now, we feel like writing these kind of songs, but if you don't like them, hey, it's chilled. But to be like triggered like a social justice warrior to something so innocuous because like at the end of the day, you are living off of your own art. So how bad could it possibly be? And to say the same fans who got you to where you are and now all of a sudden you don't need them anymore? What a jerk. Yeah, again, it's it's a it's a weird thing. I mean, you can't even say like, has he been under rock for like all these years because Suicide Silence only happened two months ago. So I don't know. I mean, he tried to play it off. People were like, ha, 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 ha. Why don't you go like... If often, ha ha ha. But yeah, nah, nah, we get your tone. Yeah, exactly. We know we know exactly where you're coming from. Another band that might need to reconsider about their past glories is All That Remains. All, uh, All That Remains, you might know them as the metalcore band from America. They have their lowest first week sales in 13 years, selling less than half of their last album. Now, to give you a number on that, uh, Lambgoat reports that All That Remains new album sold about 9,700 copies in the first week. Now, it got 50th on the Billboard charts, which I think for a metal band... No short of a mean feat. However, it's less. It's less than half than the one album before it. So um, what do you think's happened? Do you think now with some metal bands like them, they need to return back to the old to make sure they, they still capsulate what the bands are really about? Or are they just not are they just not making the market anymore? What what do you think these bands need to do, Danny, to make well, sure they retain in, in the public image? Well, again, they've apparently changed their sound quite drastically from what they used to be. So what they just expect now, they have to now rebuild new fan bases. Because your fan base want a certain sound, they've been stuck with you for so long for that sound. Now you've changed that sound, where you got to expect a lot of those fans, or whatever, how many fans don't want to hear it. So therefore, okay, you're pretty much starting off as a semi-new band, where okay, you might be fortunate enough where you uh, keep some old fans, but now you have to get whole new fans, which are like your new style change. So that's that's what you just got in there. You just rebuild. I can't believe how many fans must be a fans of Nevermore because after the butchery uh, that was, no kidding, uh, so I believe in nothing, they covered, obviously, uh, for those who don't know, all that remains on the Overcome album, two albums I think before this one or three maybe, they did a Nevermore cover. And I don't know what an abortion sounds like, but um, it must be something like that, but with more teen angst. 
Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't a great cover. It's very, yeah, very disappointing. No, uh, yeah. no, not not a great cover gives it the implication that there's something worth salving from it. <laughs> this, this thing was literally like the the guy who's like you you know he's gonna be an axe murderer when he grows up, right? But you give him a, you get him to play in a school, be a teacher, and like yeah, they'll have the bars closing the inside. Like it's a bad decision. It was a terrible idea, and yet they just ran to it like it was the coming of a second uh, Christ, which. Uh, Terrible. Like, uh, there's no, there's no thing saving this song, and uh, maybe the fans are just really lamenting it still. Uh, yeah, sure, man. It's been like ten years, man. Like, <laughs> breathe, just breathe, man. Relax. Uh, you know, we want to talk about. Well, coming from a band that was literally, um, you know, not stealing from their old self. This is a band that's stealing from another band. We're talking about Devil Driver. I can't believe this. This week of uh, metal has been pretty much uh, unoriginal, but original stories have come out because of it. So. There's your irony, Danny. Exactly. Actually, going back to All Remains album, I guess you're not going to have the cover of Believe in Nothing in your top 10. Oh, for tonight's yeah. yes, spoiler alert. If you wanted to know what my thoughts were over that, yeah, well, yeah, you know, not no news until keep listening. Yeah. Uh, please keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Devil Driver, yeah, he wants to um, De- play old songs as well. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Dez Fafala, Fafita? Yeah, Des. Anyway, Des from Cold Chamber and Devil Driver. I think for those who don't know, Cold Chamber was the band that was previous to Devil Driver that Des, the frontman, the singer, was in. Must have a lot of uh, affinity towards it because after having some advice from Glenn Danzig, and this is what Glenn Danzig, Danzig had to say to uh, Des, listen, when I left Misfits, I played Shaman songs and Misfits songs when... Rob Zombie left White Zombie. He still played White Zombie songs. So why have you waited so long? So now you've got Devil Driver playing Cold Chamber songs. And I guess one of those things is Loco. I think Ping's like, oh, Loco. Loco. A style that isn't very familiar to Devil Driver. But but Des is like, I want to play it. I need yeah. to play these songs live. Um, should he just re... What is he doing? Should he just recycle, get back up a Cold Chamber band? Or is just playing it in Devil Driver sets what people want to hear? Well, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Uh, they apparently reformed back 2014, Cold Chamber, with an album. So maybe that's the problem. It kind of sparked his passion excitement for those songs. If the band doesn't mind playing it, then that's cool as well. Let's check it out this thing at you. Symphony X, Russell Allen. We talked about him last week, right? Yeah, yeah. He comes out saying, we're not going to play Symphony X songs tonight because I want to play some of the stuff I'm doing with my other band. Adrenaline what are they called? Mob. Adrenaline Mob. Yeah, Adrenaline Mob. Yeah. So we're not going to play uh, Iconoclast, for example, or um, um, uh, End of Innocence because you guys need to hear our cover of Dio. How are you going to feel? Oh, we pretty annoying yeah. <laughs> do you imagine what the devil driver fans right now be like like what about clouds over california are you saying that there are certain songs right now we don't get to hear because you'd rather give yourself a, a hand job in front of us uh, the audience members like i understand they're good songs in his own right or, you, or you, but they're not devil driver songs so I would imagine Devil Driver songs like well, Devil Driver fans would be like, uh, how about you get those songs and shove them up your Devil Driver ass? Yeah, I mean that's true. When we saw even when we saw Rainbow last year and Richie Blackmore did like sixty percent Deep Purple songs and they're quite similar in tone, but same time like no, well, no, I really, I really want to hear Rainbow songs, yeah. mate. Yeah, because Rainbow songs are in nature are a little bit more uh, rock infused with more of the classical elements and a bit more epic feel whereas I think Deep Purple at the time have gone through more changes in funk in blues and stuff and they're just a different style and yeah I was a little bit like look I love Richie love to hear those songs but I could have gone without hearing Smoke on the Water and Black Knight for many a song then like maybe Kill the King for example so no I'm gonna be every time I think about right now 
about bands that I love. Uh, no, nah, I can't. Uh, I can't do it. I guess it's the problem. Des, he's kind of just assuming that people like uh, old um, Cold Chamber songs, and you know, you can never assume my taste in music, man, and never assume I like Cold Chamber yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah, you're not one of those triggered freaking death armies that do absolutely nothing. <laughs> Live off their own privilege and claim that there is none. Like, you know what I mean? Like, dude, you don't get a job. Have a job. You know, you get to do no work and you get to like complain. That's that's the life. That's that's perfect. Former ACDC drummer Phil Rudd is more dangerous than ever before. Apparently, he wanted to kill his personal assistant and his daughter after being dismissed from the ACDC mob. He's a bit, a bit of a loose cannon, apparently. Uh, any 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 truth to this, Danny? Oh, apparently, yeah. He's saying because when he didn't think his um self released single or album where you know he's i guess the main songwriter was produced or pushed half and hard enough by his producer so he wanted to say i'm gonna kill you and your daughter mm. joy is a strong move and that cost got to put him in jail for like two years and we remember him i think he either went into or he left the courthouse on the getting a pity bank ride from his like bodyguard or something it's always a it's always a strong look to keep your sanity yeah and apparently he's kind of saying he's cleaned up and now he's um, more dangerous than ever which again is always interesting since for someone who's just been in jail for them to say they're more dangerous I think he wants to use it as more of a limerical term where it's like, I'm dangerous because like I'm Michael Jackson dangerous, not uh, like, you know, Freddy Krueger dangerous. I, I drive big beats dangerous. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I'm not going to hurt anyone, but you know, you got you got like a past dude, you know, you got baggage and uh, no Qantas Airlines wants to take that. Maybe the American Airlines will. You see how they treat their customers, don't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Megadeth right now with Dave Mustang. He can't practice guitar anymore because of his spinal injuries. He said... His head banging, he can't do it, which I think instinctively, as a metalhead, you must understand how frustrating that must be for somebody. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a couple of people who can't head banging. Well, no, I probably has it used to, like um, Corpse Grinder. I think even John Shafter, what the guy from Ice Earth, had that issue. So imagine, I like, don't think he can do it. And if his left hand can't play, don't think he's got left foot now as like, his left foot. So, he, man, he's going to have RSI on that left ankle soon with all like, the foot tapping. He you know does. what the worst thing is not being able to head bang? No. Not being able to jerk off. He can't even use his left hand anymore sometimes. Well, are you assuming his left hand this <laughs> Well, he better be right-handed after that. Well, he's playing guitar. Is he a right-handed guitar player? Well, yeah, but like he said, he can't leave the left hand, I guess, with his um, soloing left hand stuff like that. So maybe his right hand's okay. But, um, you know, if that goes, man, like how are you going to get pleasure in life? I mean, playing guitar is one thing, but if you can't watch porn, then what is that? What is life? Holy what is shit. love? Oh, man, don't, man, this is... Baby, don't, don't hurt me. Don't don't hurt, don't hurt me. me, Danny. No more. No, no more. <laughs> don't 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 talk about really depressing things before winter, man. Because the depressing issues and the winter blues. Oh, I don't think I'll make. So it we're past. gonna put a little uh, a little th- out there to you guys in the radio land. If you guys know who Megadeth are and you're a girl or maybe a guy and you want to help Dave Mustaine out, maybe go send it to PO Box uh, forward slash. Uh, I would give Dave Mustaine a handjob I think that would really help him out. Hyphen. Go to the second hand shop. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, man. We, uh, thoughts and prayers with you, man. Uh, we're going to move on to Rob Zombie right now. We just talked about Rob Zombie before playing his own white zombie songs. You know, he's what about be original by ripping yourself off, hey, Danny? Exactly. It's, I mean, who do you sue? It's a perfect crime. Well, this is interesting because now he's helped to unmask the ghost frontman, Papa Euromertus, a, a cause and toe bias, apparently. The funny thing is, though, Dan, this did start to die on me when we covered the story a couple of weeks ago where the band was outed to. Um, I guess you would say the, they had like this agree, disagreement in the band and everyone's persona kind of got washed away and you got to sort of the, you know, the, uh, the puppeteers holding the strings. And for that, it lost its mystique a little bit. And I think that's what fans were starting to notice, that ghost. Even though we knew that they aren't like this existential being, it did feel like it was part of that. And now with all the smoke and mirrors taken away, you just get to see him as a band and you're like, ah, 
Who cares? Yeah, it's kind of like when Kiss took their makeup off and like, oh, that's how Paul Stanley Jesus look like. Oh, shit. Oh, God, you're right, Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, same thing. I guess like, oh, it was my vein when they took off their paint as well. And well, actually, Slipknot really haven't done it. But, you know, you've seen Corey Taylor now. So, We're seeing most of the band now at one yeah. point without it because the internet exists and if people want to look hard yeah. enough, they will find these guys unmasked. However, you know, it's still, you know, a grainy filter or whatever or it's, you know, stolen from some guy's lounge room. So you can still kind of get the idea of yeah. what who they are. Um, you know, that's the thing though. Do you think Ghost now are going to lose some of that mystique or do you think it's just a matter of, oh, well, Ghost have a new band now. They're still touring, doing quite well though. So Well, considering he always changes, uh, was it the, um, extra, apparently the extras, he's apparently the only person of the band apparently everyone else is a session user so technically he yeah it's fine people might know what he looks like but everyone else in the band you you always guess could be someone different so yeah, yeah they'll keep going i mean yeah why not you don't you don't go for ghosts or metal bands because of gimmicks well i hope not what do you think the justice for all album danny didn't need on it um uh, hmm i'm gonna guess years maybe yeah, sorry some years from hatefield yes, maybe no nah, you that? need the years man that that gives its passion without uh, the years it's nothing man yeah maybe, maybe some double kick maybe uh there was there was some of that at the end of that dyer's eve or how about bass oh you asked mark polson we covered his band volbeat last year yeah not a bad album you know you can yes. check out that podcast if you guys want to hear what uh, our thoughts on that Actually, were that's one of our most popular podcasts as well so yeah, yeah go volbeat so, so we're going to talk about what that he does that album doesn't need bass apparently you know it was uh, for those who don't know who don't know justice for all album uh cliff Burkham just passed away due to a, a bus uh accident and so they needed a bass player they found one and whoever you believe it became i think this thing has become folklore no one's not too sure or maybe someone that should have done their research before the show should have figured out that maybe there is a reason why. But we don't want to go into that, yeah, sorry right? Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, at the end of the day, we've got the bass player on the album, which you can't hear the bass on, right? So this Justice For All album from Metallica, it's very hard to hear the bass. In fact, at times, you can't even tell it's even on there. But Volbeat's Michael Poulsen says, it doesn't matter. Yeah, this is coming from a guy who's been asked for a Metallica tour with him and he's currently touring on a... On a headline, um, Metallica. Yeah, what is he gonna say? Yeah, I reckon. I, th- I think Volbeat needs less reverb in their vocals yeah, as well. Yeah, I reckon. The only, <laughs> and the only per- yeah, it's true. And the only person in the uh, Meta- current Metallica lineup which is not from the Just for album, whatever, is isn't in there. So, he's so, said. so he's not gonna hurt anyone's feelings by saying, "Yeah, we don't need any more bass." So, but go back to the point about the bass issue. Yeah. Yes, apparently, uh, one of the main, I guess, sound recorders or sound mixers was there with Hetfield and Urich. Uh, Lars uh, during the I guess the mastering section and Lars like I really like what I did with this drum like he just put the bass a bit lower and so the guy puts the bass lower so you barely hear it and then then um, apparently you goes oh, I've just put another 5 dB lower again and he goes are you serious and he looks at Hetfield and Hefford goes yeah he's serious so yeah so apparently Lars is the one who told um, the, the sound producer to pretty much have no bass and this poor savage, he's the only one who's getting stick from it. And even to a point where Lars Uric goes from like years later, he goes, Hey man, where was the bass on Justice for All? Oh <laughs> my poor savage is like, What? I wanted to smack him. And for that, we're gonna give Lars Uric the metal douchebag of the week. Yeah, I know this was a long time coming because it was probably written in a long time ago. Like I think you know, who knows when the album was written, right? But uh, at the end of the day, it's a way overcoming's due for that, I think. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, you so bass, it would have been I guess it'd been nice for bass. I think so on I don't know if someone actually added. I think someone actually added bass to that album. I think a fan did it, or some other guy got bored, decided to mix it differently to have the bass in. So I think there's somewhere on YouTube you can find it. 
Possessed, a back, Science to Nuclear Blast, first album in 32 years, coming in 2018. The other album, I think, before it was released in 1985. Dan, there's one thing about being a while in between drinks, but if this was not having a drink, this would be, I would have been died of dehydration about 31 years ago. Like, definitely this is pretty, uh, who's out there? Who's a Possessed fan that wants to hear it? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, 32 years ago, I'm pretty sure a lot of them have characters since then, man, or have have actually forgotten about it because they've all got amnesia now because they're the last time they heard that band's name. I don't know, but at the end of the day, there's one person that believes in it, and that's Nuclear Blast. And Nuclear Blast aren't some run-of-the-mill recording studio that's run in someone's basement. Now, these guys are one of the juggernauts that people want to be on, so they must know there's a market out there for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, why not? I mean, it's, it's great for them to come back. if they. I mean, Europe decided to come back, Foreign have decided to come back after so long away. Tool eventually going to make their comeback you know, after yeah. like 12 years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, if, it's, if they can do it and get an album set, it makes some money from it, good on them. Yeah. Oh, we've got a couple more stories before we move on to our feature presentation. We'll talk about Nine Inch Nails right now. And apparently on their tour, they spent about $160,000 in Gibson Les Pauls on the Downward Spiral Tour. Now, either that's like, you know, 100 cheap, 160 really cheap guitars or one really expensive one, Danny? Oh, like a Gresham of the call of those calls, those expensive ones? Or maybe like a um, Stevie Ray Vaughan? Yeah. Something like that. It's assured yeah. that 137 Les Pauls met their untimely end. The death of wood. Like, the, the revengeance. No kidding, you know? Like, this thing is like... It would be like a Vietnam War story for some people. You know, when you go... The amount of people out there who are trying to buy a guitar like that are basically going... They're they're not eating properly. They're not you know they're not they're not spending time with loved ones. They're missing incredibly important things, like even their probably funeral at one point. Yeah. So wh- why why are people like these rock stars, man? Just I just I can't handle it. It makes me get upset. Yeah, I know you really feel passionately about guitar preservation, and especially like because all those Les Pauls have been handmade, etc. Imagine being like even the Les Paul. Uh, I guess the the manager who who decided to actually endorse or back these guys. I mean, you've just lost one hundred sixty thousand dollars worth of product. You know, I don't think Nine Inch Nails is going to make you sell one hundred sixty one thousand dollars worth of product to make I, up for I it. I think we have to destroy one hundred sixty thousand worth of Nine Inch Nails. Like, just go through the band and just you have to understand what your guitar goes through every night, and we just set them on fire. You know, kick them around a little bit. Just make sure they really get. What we what people are really going through. I mean, those guitars have feelings, man. You know, yeah, they like they can sing and, and that was only done they on can one. cry. Yeah, the wah wah pedal. Yeah, that, they're okay. All right, make it over, man. <laughs> Actually, those and that was only done through one tour. I think the ninety four ninety five tour. They went through that many guitars. I think I think Pete Townsend from the Who would be like impressed with this one. Ah, uh, yeah, probably. But uh, hopefully, one day they realize that these things are expensive and maybe like not destroying them maybe just give them away yeah you can make 137 100 people well 137 people really happy man yeah like uh billy joe does with green day yeah, every, every yeah billy joe does it he's concert. not a jerk you yeah. know we're getting what we have to recovering pop punk now is that where we're at the super metal brothers now have to regress because all the metalheads now are just pissing off other metalheads well actually that's a good transition to the next article about a punk star as well I think we could probably call this guy our honorary metalhead of the week, the um, Offspring lead singer. Yeah, What's that's the right. name again? Uh, we got to the guy Dexter Holland. Oh, man, these guys were massive in the 90s. Hey? Oh, they, yeah. they was hit after hit, man. You know, everyone that was into rock or pop, whatever, were into punk because one of these bands, I guess Blink and Green Day as well, would have helped as well. But yeah, he's into molecular biology, so there you go. But he's ensuring to the fans that Offspring is still on, so yeah. not as he's smart. He's really smart to keep the band going. Yeah, his PhD, he kind of started back in 94, had to stop because the band got that successful. So there you go. 
came back to it and has dedicated his PhD and did his thesis on HIV and how the body reacts or something to it. Some oh, I love thesis titles. You need a book just to like fill out the whole title because they're like 20, 30,000 words long. Well, he title. says about 175 or so pages for oh. his thesis and I imagine the first 17 of those was the title alone. He just like slips in like offspring like lyrics in there. <laughs> no one reads 174 pages. Yeah, those most meticulous cells got to keep them separated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, about, uh, so the next 17 lines, I just got, hey, you know me. <laughs> what do you, what do you think about getting on? incorrect tattoos? I guess you get HIV from incorrect tattoos, so that's a fair point. But I think our fans have come here tonight for one reason and one reason only. We're going to cover right now our main special presentation event. How fast a year does go, dear Super Mirror Brother Dan? Uh, about 365 days. Right, you are. In those 365 days, once a week, we entertain you on a Thursday morning and give you the news, reviews, and even, and a, a, I guess, interviews at times as well with certain people around the industry, whether they be artists, musicians, or just people with prominent figures in heavy metal, as I could say, Danny. Pretty much. I uh, could be owners of uh, certain heavy metal schools in Adelaide. That's right. Most important thing was the fans, you know. They've engaged us quite a lot. We would give them a question or even ask them to ask us a question. And we loved going back and forth and seeing how we can solve our editorial pieces or just getting the vibe of the general heavy metal community, see where we're at, check in to make sure everything's going all right. Exactly right, because yeah, we, we feel like we want to be part connected. And if, if you don't want us to be part of the community, we just throw ourselves in there anyway. So to, this week, we decided to unleash. We gave the fans full reign, and we wanted them to ask us what we're going to do for editorial. Some places, or people, I should say, like Lee Berryman said, I vote for a candlelit dinner together, some heavy heavy metal petal flowers, and some metal tunes, effing metal tunes even threw in our uh the metal pot florist uh, heavy pedal heavy pedal prospect road people go there you there go. for all your flower needs yeah so there you go that wasn't even a paid endorsement that was just because we're like really super nice and we super want to help out people with flowers mm. yeah definitely matt owen come to gamma.com and do a talk love to what the hell is gamma.com and how the hell do we get on it uh, apparently it's done to august and apparently it's in canberra so unfortunately the oh. super metal brother budget does not allow for us to travel poor right now so uh but again look if you guys want to see us up there and uh, you know if you really want us to have a chat at a gaming convention about metal then i guess there's there's that market Oh, yeah, one. We've had some uh, metal games like Brutal Legends with uh, Jack um, Yeah, but I haven't played that, so it doesn't count. Uh, what other games are there? <laughs> <laughs> Rock and Roll Racing oh, that was on the quality. Mega Drive. That was and it stole all those Deep Purple songs. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah Guitar Hero as well, where everybody learned about Dragon Force, so that was something. Yeah, but then it's like, why did you spend 17 hours of, or 17 hours a day trying to learn it? Why don't you just learn it for real? But literally, people practice more five yeah five things in the actual guitar it was weird that's like saying why don't you play why do you play like battlefield why don't you just go to the army that's true why don't you just shot the head and die instead of being shot in the head revive and then die again (laughs) yeah just start swearing at your tv but we digress we digress because we we really wanted to talk about one person there was one person above all others that came with the goods his name is ben saunders or saunders if you're from britain uh he listed on there why you, the Super Metal Brothers talk about the twenty top 20 metal songs of all time? I can do you one better. How about we hear the top 10 from both Super Metal Brothers? That way, if you fall in line with someone else instead of the other one, we could still have you back on the show and you still want to listen to us. Yeah, definitely right. And this is actually quite interesting because we both did this top 10 list separately. 
So if anything happens to like line up and we have the same songs, well then it's the top nineteen or eighteen metal songs of all time. <laughs> so what we just did was blatantly lie to you as Super Metal Brother fans, and for that we're Super Metal Brother sorry. Ah, if why not? But we gotta like establish grand rules first as well. Yeah. Because with uh these songs it is of course very subjective. And so how do you determine the best metal songs? Is it the most selling? Because if so, we'll just like read off Metallica albums and we we'll, and also throw in, you know, Stairway to Heaven in there as well. Uh, is it best from genres? Is it our favorite artists? Who knows? So I guess we just have kind of picked out our top 10 songs, which we just always want to put on our CD or on our computer and listen to it. Yeah. One only from each band, though. That's the rule. So... Or else, obviously, people will know my list, and obviously, we never more songs, and then we'll have Symphony X songs, and that would be the list, and then we would have no representation of metal, no depth to our character, you know? Yeah, we like depth. So, we want depth, and uh, we like to go in real deep. Ooh, Before we go to our top you. list, though, I want to do some honorable mentions, because there are songs that, for me, didn't make the list that oh, I really want to give shit, a shout out. Actually, you're too organized, man, but go on. Okay, so <laughs> first up, it was an Australian band, Switchblade. They released one of the most impressive albums and probably my favorite Australian heavy metal album uh, currently to this very day Invictus Infinitum right and on that was a song called Lacerate it wasn't a song uh, with Jeff Loomis on it you know alright the solo was breathtaking don't get me wrong but um, this song really got me excited and really thought in my head that Australia can definitely match it with Sweden and it comes to more like death metal and these guys really brought forth a very exciting sound and that of course, like all good things, it had to end, and end it did very prematurely. Can we do like the honorable mentions, like just before we do the number one? Because that's kind of like you know everybody else does. Or did you want to do it this way? Um, yeah. Do this no, one? I think we can oh, do okay. it like that. Because what we can do is that we can just tease it out for a little bit longer. Uh, okay. Uh, um, Devil Driver's Clouds Over California. Although I am not a Devil Driver fan. I got to admit, when you hear a good song, you hear a good song. And Clouds of California, for me, is a very good song and a good representation of how the new wave of heavy metal in America can really thrive and survive under very harsh conditions, uh, whether it be global warming or just really bad repetitive metalcore. Uh, cool, man. And I guess you're not a Cold Chamber fan either, then. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, just, I wanted to talk about one more, and that's In Flames. We've got Minus. I just really like In Flames, and that was a song that I probably listened to the most. Not like Death Metal Masters, but again... Couldn't make the top 10. I know, right? And Flames not making the top 10. That's because we're going to talk about our list right now, Danny. And here we go at number 10. Danny, what is on bottom of your favorite top songs of all time? Okay, look, to be fair, this top 10 is like random numbering apart from my number one. My number one is my number one, but my other numbers is pretty much mood-based. But my number 10, I have started off extremely heavy. And it's Behemoth's Conquer All. <gasps> yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Now, well, tell yeah. us a little bit about Demigod, man. That album is by far the riffer roller of the Metal Brothers vocabulary. Oh, man. People keep saying that Satanist is the best album, but I guess that's because they haven't heard Demigod album yet. Because <laughs> seriously, I, if I, when, you, when you hear Demigod, I mean, it's just so heavy and so brutal and so rocking and it's so full of aggression. It's just it's a great album. You get sucked in. Isn't it that Dana? Yeah, no, straight no, up no, no, that. No. Yeah, and then, and then he has like the, the whole layered vocals, which sounds like there's like twenty of them in the chorus, like singing these really. It's all about like some devil being banished from like a 
planes where all gods are supposed to be there. So he gets banished from his place. And he wants to come back and conquer all. And no one's no one's his equal type thing. So it's just a very big song. And then you can tell in the chorus, man, just escapes and keeps building and building and building and it breaks the tension. Down. Oh, it's oh. amazing. I absolutely cannot handle how much awesome is coming from that. And I guess you know the the movement that Behemoth did was fine. You know, because if you want demigod. There was actually a whole thing with Demigod because they kind of did the album three times. And I will agree. Uh, they had uh, Evangelion and they had Zeo, Cool, Coolus, and they also have Demigod. So if you want a Demigod album, but you've already got Demigod album, yeah, those other two albums are going to do it for you. So I'm pretty satisfied as that fan. However, I still think it's better. So, and I think Super Metal Brother Dan can agree. Yeah, Congo, when they play that live, I just lost my shit. Oh, <laughs> here it comes. Yeah, absolutely. Even better than Slave Shall Serve, man. Like the yeah. song is just an absolute beast of a yeah. song. So what about me though? My yep. top t- uh, number ten. Well, I guess right now I got stuck. There was two songs that I had to choose between, right? And one was an American band called Whitechapel. Now I don't like Whitechapel generally at all. However, uh, there was actually an album that came out very recently called Our Endless War, and on it was a self-titled track called Endless War. I couldn't believe it. This thing was faster than anything I've heard the band do. It was almost heavier than the band do. It was more exciting. It was very, very like visceral and it was very attacking, but it really felt like a march, really felt uh, where America was at at that point. It's probably maybe still are, you can argue, where it's just kind of like you're going to be fighting this eternal struggle uh, against, you know, a power that's going to always exist. Also, on top of that, list, another American band, a side project band, no less, from America with our friend Eric Peterson, Danny. You'd know them as... Yes, that'd be Dragon Lord. Actually, this is a brilliant segue, man, because this is actually my number ninth best song. So, oh, I- hold on, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. So, I had to choose between them, between Whitechapel, Endless War, and Dragon Lord. Now, it took a while because that album, Rapture, is absolutely phenomenal. I don't understand how people's side project bands can be better than their original band, but then I heard Testament's latest album, and I'm like, nah, they're, they're good for different reasons, okay? However, there was one song that trumped way over the Wired Chapel discography, and that includes Endless War song, and that is Tradition and Fire. Yes, that song, for me, is literally one of the most iconic masterpieces that I actually have to admit I've ripped off for my own songwriting. I can't tell you how awesome this song is. From the very start, where you get those really cool strings with that pick yeah. slide. And I don't know what Eric Peterson does to his guitar to get that sound from pick slide. I think basically he shoves one hand on the strings and one hand up the fucking in- input jack to molest it because that thing sounds disgusting. Yeah. It is my number one uh, best song of all time or metal song because it is brilliant. It starts going with that guitar slide and just keeps going with this whole synth continuously background. It kind of just emphasizes this whole like uh, Holy Crusade, where the guys are going to battle and doing deplorable things out of war. Um, it's backed up with this great screen and just yeah. great heavy riffing and builds up nice in choruses, man. Yeah, the chorus is just amazing. It's the Doctor's Transceiver, of Tradition, a Fire, Dana. It's so like, oh, it's amazing. It builds up, builds up, builds up. And then the middle of the song does that wicked like scream into yeah. that blast. Yeah. And then it's got Touching that Fire, You know, and it just keeps hitting you. And it's just awesome riff after awesome riff. And then it grooves and it's just powerful. So, um, and the riff as well, the on the verse is just such a catchy, yeah. groovy riff that's uh, so hard for other bands to emulate that kind of um, intensity, but also that kind of just uh, awe and oh, it's just inspiring, man. Just 
everything going in that song is just a joke. Yeah, and uh, the new album should be coming out at the end of the year as well. So hopefully he keeps up with the similar songwriting. Yeah, well, I read an interview last uh, last week because I was really curious to see when this thing's coming out. This thing was designed for last year, but I think due to um, label conflicts, we're still waiting for it. Like, this thing's done. The songs are written. Wow. So, you know, fingers crossed. Oh, well, Matt, that was my ninth. What's your ninth, Matthew? Mm. Well, it- we're gonna keep with the intensity and the black and death metal. <laughs> He's like with your behemoth and my and my uh, dragon lord and your dragon lord again. My number nine is gonna keep in the similar vein because I think most importantly we have to understand that more guitars is better. More is more sometimes. People say less is more. Uh, I don't think they listen to metal. You know, I mean, I get it. You know, sometimes you need you have too much, but you can never have too much guitars. And on this track. There's a lot of guitars, there's a lot of strings, there's a lot of drums, there's a lot of everything. This is coming from the 2016 release from the Italian Juggernauts, all the way from Italy, Flesh God Apocalypse, A Million Deaths. I covered this last year, and this song is pretty much one of the very much reasons why this made the top 10 as number one last year for the Super Metal Brothers. Yeah, definitely. It is a great song. Especially, I mean... Great! Oh. Uh, most, most, I guess, being a death metal, you don't hear most of the words, but there's one, like, line where he goes, there will be no celebration, and how that is backed up with the epics of the music. You're just like, holy shit, did he just do that? Oh, oh, it makes me... You're going to run to war. Literally, you are going to fight in this song. You know, if you've never... I think it's funny thing is we have lineage. I think most people in the world have lineage that goes back, you know, where the Roman Empire or maybe you're on the winning side, losing side from the the World War Two, whatever. I think at the end of the day, I think we have a lot of people... Why we're here for a reason is because they're winners and they're losers and losers are dead and the winners are still here, I guess, maybe. But... That's what I get. When I listen to this song, I'm, I'm transported back to when I'll, when I'll be fighting, what it'll be like to be in a war, when I'd like to have a sword in my hand and, and a shield in the other, and knowing that I'm going to come over this better because you're fighting for your life, but you need to do it to, to in order for, for society to work. But it doesn't matter. Anything else doesn't matter. It's just so exciting. It's so thrilling, and it's so like beastly. And, ah, man, this, this thing's just great, isn't it? There's what good music does is transports you out of your life into something else. And I think uh, this song, A Million Deaths, Cannot get enough credit for how it takes a listener and pulls them out of their boring job in retail uh, and, and puts them right into a, a life worth living. As long as you don't like start breaking coat hangs off and start stabbing people with it, get Mate, out, just get fine. out of my way, man. If this song was like, honestly, if this song played over in Westfields, I would be like jerking off, man. Honestly, you, there wouldn't be a toilet cubicle close enough for me to fucking rub one out to because uh, I'd be pretty happy. Sweet ass. Now I'll go to, we'll distract you now with that thought. Number eight. To my number eight. That's right. Yeah. It's my number eight before Matthew gets says it because it's going to happen eventually it's a band called uh, Nevermore and it's a song called uh, Poison God Machine oh my god I can't believe it's so low on your list <laughs> well, like I said again the top 9 is pretty much randomised yeah. but the number 1 is number 1 so yeah Poison God Machine the reason why I like so much for starters it is like just great riffing typical Loomis uh, two solos and then it ends with a nice big falsetto screen like just to really get the point across but the, the song is actually quite poignant regarding the lyric content it's all about you know media brainwashing and being controlled etc so you you mix that like lyric content with how like dane sees it with his like angst and aggression and how the heavy riffs and a bit of the, the sadness in the song as well it all plays together so well it's brilliant i'm going to talk a lot about nevermore tonight so yeah. i need to like maybe cut myself off right here before we go into it too much because you guys know how I feel about Loomis and stuff, and I, I think you guys know where I'm going to go with Nevermore towards this 
uh, list. However, I don't think you realize where this might be. You might have a guess, you might not, but uh, I think I'll go on to my number eight yeah, and maybe yeah. we can talk a little bit more about uh, our top 10 That's list. Uh, number eight for me is a band from Sweden. This band here, for reason or another, wouldn't be considered probably one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, but they've got a lot of good songs. However, there's one song from the band which I think I must have listened to way more than I can honestly recount. This song here, for some reason... Uh, just as a part of my DNA structure. When I heard it, it was like, this is the song that I wish I would have written uh, to a a degree because it has so many parts that interlace but do it so well and just so effortlessly that uh, it is beyond uh, words. I guess that's what a purest form of art could be. We are talking about Dark Tranquility. From the album Fiction, we are talking about Lesser Faith. Now, a lot of people don't know this band or know this band, right? I know what we're talking about. We did cover a tone didn't we, Danny? Yeah, we did their new album, and I got too depressed to actually listen to the whole album, so I stopped. Yeah, but this <laughs> song here isn't that depressing. Oh, well, it's mostly depressing. But what it brings is uh, some really rockin' riffs. Uh, the drumming's very much um, putting the, the snares exactly where they need to be, so it drives the song forward the whole time. The singing works perfectly over it. You know, that style, you could j- say it's jarring over ballads or... Or it's a bit more of the same, but when it comes to these kind of songs, it works perfectly. And there's so, and this song is a riffer roller. I got to tell you, man, it's just riff after riff after riff. The guitars take center stage for this beast, and uh, maybe a little bit more straightforward than some of the other songs that were before it. But that's definitely no no world of a lie. This this song is just great. And do yourself a favor if you're into melodic death metal, you got to check this song out. Lesser Faith, Dark Tranquility. Go out, check it out. That's great. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Number seven, Danny. Oh, and I'm, actually, this one here is from a band where not too many people were new of. And unfortunately, they only released two albums currently. I think they only released two albums currently. What this band is, man, you look a bit interested. You will know this band. This band is, of course, Biomechanical. Oh, my God. And the song is Enemy Within. Oh, which is, what was I thinking? Yeah, their first album and their first song. And it starts off like a bit slow, like, oh, it's interesting, like, a bit of like industrial sound, mechanical sound, and slowly like, has a like crescendoing. And it, was, it just cuts into like a crazy like guitar riff, heavy uh, drumming, and a nice like build up screen to a growl, or so build up growl to a screen, and the song just keeps going and it keeps going. It is just like Pantera on steroids mixed with like death metal vocals. It is just brutal. But also the band's known for not only doing death metal vocalists. This guy on the uh, behind the mic is a juggernaut, is he not, Danny? I'm talking like he's got everything from his scream, growls, but also that falsetto singing that would make yeah. Paganini piss his pants almost. Oh, it's, it's a, yeah, he is. He literally has a lot of tools in his shed, and he just has so much power. No, nah, he's just, not a shed. Oh. He's freaking Bunnings, man. Honestly, Bunnings. this guy literally you go down a lane and it's like, oh, this is the yeah, this is a biomechanical lane. Like it's just got so much going on. Yeah, exactly. And like, the whole album is actually a great album. That album's called Enemies Within. It's just fantastic. But unfortunately, these, these guys down for was that I think the singer unfortunately was too much of a control freak from what I've heard. And they released a second album, which again wasn't it was okay, but wasn't mixed well. A lot of like ideas from the first album were stolen from the second album, kind of killed off. But this get this album is actually one of my favorite albums of all time because it is just awesome. It just keeps going. Yeah, it's funny because I. I bought the album knowing that I was going to love it because the guitar work on it, it was just absolutely incredible. But I actually found that Danny got more use out of it. So like anyone good that had no use for something, gave it to someone else who knew they were going to love it more than themselves. And uh, have you still got that CD, Danny? 
and I think, and I think actually you've got it, man. Oh, do I? Well, you can have a back if you want, man. Because like I don't think I listen to it. In fact, it's not even on my list. Yeah, I know, I know. You know, even even when I picked it, like back when for like we did the Hokie show, you're like, oh yeah, that's right, it's that song. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, like you said, little known about this band, I think the guitarist now is doing something with uh, Steve Smith, who's ex then what ex Dragon Lord as well, uh, One Machine. Oh, I'm okay. pretty sure. So he's still going around, which is great because this guy had so much potential on guitars. Um, it was just an absolute freak of a beast. And like you said, these riffs are Pantera on steroids. You can tell they're, they're probably the number one influence. Some people say Nevermore. I would kindly tell them to, you know, no, it's not. Mm. But they could tell there's influence. there are some inspirations from Nevermore, yeah, for yeah. example. But yeah, it really is. If you're into Pantera and you just want something to tide it over, the depressing notion that there isn't going to be another Pantera... Uh, or even a reunion of any kind, check this album out. And then you realize there'll be no more biomechanical. So oh you get more depressed. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Enjoy your like, crippling depression. Yeah. Don't worry. Come join us here on My Band's Broken Up Lane. <laughs> you know, hey, Symphony X are on their way out, oh, apparently, if you believe yeah, the rumors. Take it easy. Believe right, let's, let's move on before we get depressed again. Well, how about we talk about Symphony X again? That's oh, right, shit. my number oh, seven. What a segue. What a segue. It wasn't even intentional because oh, they no, haven't even seen my list. No, I can't. Um, look. There's a band that we pay money to see. I don't know about you guys there and Super Metal Brother Lands. Uh, there's metal bands that you would go to see interstate, right? Uh, I think knowing the way our comedy is right now, you know, the private sector hasn't raised their um, uh, their, their wages in such a long time. So, you know, the government is where you want to work for. But there's only so many limited jobs you can do in the government. You know, going to uni costs about $17 billion than it's probably worth when you go to TAFE for the same reason. Focus, Matt. Focus, man. But... Symphony X were the band that we went to go see in an interstate. We thought, stuff our bills, stuff food, stuff living. We just need to see this band live and see this band live we did. Yeah, definitely right. And actually, we saw them at the airport as well before we saw them play live, which is a little thrill for me. But Symphony X, they're just a, a great band. Great, All of them great musicians, great ability. I mean, to put it one way, Russell Allen and this current band, Adrenaline Mob, they're doing like 25 shows in like 30 days. I mean, this guy can just sing until he gets bored of it type thing. Yeah. With his smoking and as with well, his yeah. like eating of lemons. He doesn't eat lemons, but he smokes, nah, he man. said fuck lemons. Yeah, yeah. F lemons, but in, smoke. In his jersey accent. Oh. But what's your song, Matt? What song did you pick? Well, we went through it. The last album they did was incredible, right? i got to be honest, man. That had hit after hit. Not really any Adele moment ever. All killer, no thriller, thriller. Filler. All killer, no filler. But there's one song that has stuck with me for far longer. A song that every time I hear it, I need to hear it from start to finish. It's way long than, than um, I can express the tape, but it's every time you hear it, each part is integral for the song being there. And I'm talking about the, I guess, the opening track technically from the album Iconoclast called Iconoclast itself, Danny. Oh, contrast. That's a great song. Great song. The song's great. Yeah, great. Don't, get me, don't get me wrong, but it is literally the epiphany of what uh, Symphony X are about amazing technicality to a great riffage and songwriting to vocals that are soaring uh masterclass on other instruments like the drumming the keyboards and stuff like that soloing and stuff but uh it's just interlaced with all these ideas of rock metal classical music all infused together for literally an engaging ride one that gym theater i think cannot understand or possibly and i think they run differently or parallel to each other to be honest but for me this is why i'm symphony x fan over it and this song is a mass class is it not danny oh it's brilliant especially like after it cuts back from the solo it goes back to like victory or death it just cuts back into it. it's just like holy only shit. time will tell is it that Shot. Oh my yeah. god! So loud! Oh yeah. my god! And then there's a key, a key change, key change in the last chorus, where it's like a big epic chorus. You want to sing along, and they do a key change. It's just like it's a winner, man. 
Yeah, so I, I got to be honest. It's just, it's how long does the song go for? Like seven, eight minutes? I, I think longer than that. Even think, longer than that? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Every part of it is just makes you want to listen to it more and more. It's the reason why I think people from other metal industries can get into this and really back it. You know, it is. All of it is sincere and it is heartfelt and it is energetic. It is, it's metal and go out and buy the Iconoclast album. Yeah. It is our favorite album for Sydney X. Any we do mention? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And I guess it comes to my fifth best song. And unfortunately, I have to say, six. is it my sixth song? Well, it's a six now. Oh, uh, six and that's fine. Well, what I've written down here is actually my sixth best song and that's also a Symphony X song because I had to do one. And look, there are Symphony X songs which I like more. But I think this one here I had to put in because it just encapsulates pretty much the whole of CVS's photography, and that is the Odyssey. Yeah, I knew you. I knew you were gonna say it. Yeah, yeah. When you said the whole thing, I'm like, oh man, that's more poignant and much more interesting than my point. Oh yeah, but well, that's that's because I think more than you, man. <laughs> <laughs> True, <Yeah>. but ouch. <laughs> so what the Odyssey is is a 24 minute epic song, which it literally had the Odyssey album, which had I think nine or ten tracks, and the last track is an extra 24 minutes. Which has this eight or so segments, and it's just completely based on the book, which was was it Ulysses or whether the Homer, Homer the Odyssey, I think it's called. No, yeah. oh wait, it's uh, Homer's Odyssey. Yeah, sorry. Not, yeah, Homer's Odyssey. Where so the whole song is actually based on that book, and and it's just so well written. It's just the whole journey of them leaving to go on this great journey, the battles, the the adversity they go suffer, the way the song's written, the way each section blends so well into each other, the additions of like the orchestra feels. Uh, and the way how it ends on a big triumphant note and how it just comes a big yeah. crescendo. Yeah, let's have that triumphant note. Brilliant. You know what it literally is? Triumphant! Yeah, yeah, look, you're going to hear that song, get to that part and be like, repeat song. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's like like the the legend, the, the last track of the last album, Underworld. You want to hear, you, you hear Legend of Dice, you want to start that again. The Odyssey, you just want to hear that song again, especially though in the middle of the song, when it cuts into that really heavy section, like da warning, that part there in the middle is like fifteen. That is like epic. So you have all this like journey going, the quest going with the flows, and to get to an epic part and to break. the it's just it's just a brilliant, well written song. I mean, it's just what what songwriting is just encapsulated in twenty four minutes. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of embarrassing that a band can do that, and like people have albums like one thing for as long as it, AKA nails. But also bands can try to do so much in the time frame and just not achieve what they did uh, in the same time frame with one song, with one context of an album. But making sure that it all kind of flows together really well, and it's really because each member of the band is at the highest level, so they can accomplish feats like that and make it seamless. I think that's something for you to really consider as well for anyone out there. This isn't just one idea, although I think Michael Remy is essentially the reason why, and he, he his favorite people in the world are classical film core musicians. You know, people have to write music for an hour and fifty minutes on one subject. You know, yeah, so that, like that Williams guy, yeah, John Williams is yeah, his boy apparently. Yeah, yeah. So he fans out for John Williams. Well, we found out for metal guitarists or metal singers. You know, yeah. again, Symphony X are literally the crowning jewel right now in pro- in progressive metal, and um, you do yourself a disservice to not check out any of the albums post I guess uh, V uh, five, yeah, sorry yeah, five yeah, yeah. methodology sweet, sweet. yeah because yeah. even they said the stuff before it shit and I tend to agree it's just not that interesting yeah. I mean there are some yeah golden nuggets among the the watery diluted shit but generally everything after it is just oh, ridiculous yeah, it's better and better oh right, Matt yours now 
Number six, well, black and death metal, coming back to it. You know me, I love something with a lot of guitar, a lot of anger, a lot of hate. Literally, someone to make sure that to be reassured to me that my life is isn't that bad, but uh, it can get a hell of a lot worse if I want to write really good songs, Danny. Excellent. Who may that be? Behemoth. Whoa. Now you've cheesed and conquer all. I know you love that song. I do love conquer all. I get it. You know, it's a. It's my ringtone it's for a while. It's a good song. It's catchy. You know, it's accessible for people who aren't into metal. <laughs> Come on, man! It's like a, it's got a chorus in it and a verse. It's, it's basically the pop, the pop structure. Oh yeah, okay. you know? I'm sorry. It's only three and a half minutes. You correctly you put it on the radio. So let's pick an actual metal song. <laughs> All right, go on. Rain of Semsu Or. Do you know what that track is, Danny? Actually, I can't remember which. What album is that from? The Demigod album. Oh, what track number? I'll know the track number. The last one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's more epic. It's actually, that's a long one. It builds into it and it gets more epic as it goes. You have to, it's yeah. basically done like a Black Sabbath song, I think. The intro literally is a doom start, right? And it really is important for you to listen to the whole thing because it is repetitive, but you have to give it the time so then the next riff that drops rips your fucking hair off your testicles and throws it down your eye socket because literally... Um, it is then after that moment onwards, just an onslaught of barrage of heavy riffs. And not in their blast beat uh, heavy, where it's like an onslaught of noise. This is literally an onslaught of pure malevolence. Yeah. No, you're right. It is. I mean, yeah, it's a great way to finish the album as well. It's just it's just a brutal. I just love how angry it is. It literally uh-huh. is, for me, essentially the most angriest I think the band's ever been but the most stripped back it's done because literally every other song before it's quite faster, more technical, uh, way more things going on with the instrumentation and that. This is just literally steak and mash, but, mm. you know, from hell. I don't even know what kind. Of, I don't even have set fire to mashed potatoes, <laughs> but you can. And it's, it was really, I, I, I can't tell you each riff how important uh, each riff follows each other, but how just, oh, I love it. It's so groovy and so evil. It's delicious. Yeah, I think that's probably why we reckon Demigod's a better album. Just yeah. because it's consistently heavier and brutal and just great riffing for Yeah, that's the right. Album. You know, and I thought, um, to be honest, I thought Slave Shall Serve was going to make it there for me, but I think there's something about the album where it's good to listen to in a certain mood. I think that song is really good because it's faster and it goes through part, uh, the moments past. And it's more iconic to the band. But for me, when they're at their strongest is when they're at their most angriest. And I don't think you can get any angrier than the Reign of Shemsu. Uh, or and uh, there's so many words to the song. I try to learn the the, the lyrics, but dude, it's a it, it is the Odyssey. It literally you open yeah. it's, it's three page encyclopedia, and you're like, oh god, no thanks, I'm bored. Yeah, no, it's great. But great, course, great song. Check it out. Go buy Demigod. If you haven't bought Demigod now, it is a quintessential album for metalheads out there. And I'm talking metalheads. I'm talking like if you're still like getting into metal through Metallica or Linkin Park, you're not quite there yet. No, yeah, this album is yeah. gonna you can't appreciate how much uh, energy it's got. You know, it's just gonna it's just gonna you know, grab your testicles and keep them on. You're like, I'm not, you know, it's not going to do you any justice. Yeah, fair enough. Sure. We're halfway, Danny. So let's just break it down to kind of process what we've been doing so far. What would you right. say so far? Good list? There's some controversy, maybe? It's got me wanting to listen to some more albums, man. Finish this list off and <laughs> put Demigod back on. Actually. I know. I think we're definitely going to have to do a review of it. I think going yeah, back, uh, retro review, the next retro review, surely. Although I really I really want to put it out there to our longtime fans right there. And I want to give a shout out to some of our fans because it is our 100th episode. And we've had people that have been on the show following it a lot. I think Kai Elliott deserves a special treat. I think Ben Saunders. I think guys that... Zach Hammett. Zach Hammett has done a lot as well. 
Um, there's been a lot of people going out there that have just come out every week and, and just kind of commented on our wall and done their best to keep it on. I think even what Ryan Whittaker has been on yeah, there a few Jamie times. Jamie Jackson. Jamie um, Jackson. So Shirley as well from Heavy Petal Florist. Shirley so. from Heavy Petal Florist, you know. Uh, and, and for that, go go to Heavy Petal Florist on Prospect Road, you know. If you guys are going to help support us, we're happy to help support the middle community. And uh, we might have to get her on the show one day as well, talking about flowers and brutality blast beats maybe. Yeah, she's not really big in the blast piece, but... <laughs> oh God, she's another Superman brother. Damn, we can't have two of those on the show. Yeah. We can oh, barely yeah. have one. Actually, yeah, <laughs> well played. Actually, that's a good segue, because one of uh, Shelley's favorite uh, musicians is Ozzy Osbourne, which happens to be my fifth favorite song, which oh, is... Oh, do tell! Yeah, actually, it's not Sabbath, it is Crazy Train. Really? Yep. Crazy Train is... Top 10! Yep. They're one of your favorite songs! Yeah. I didn't even know... Dude, I've known you for 34 <laughs> years... or 32 years, you weren't born... When I was born. So, 32 years of your life. 30. Uh, 30 years of your life. <laughs> Jeez, I get it. Oh, my God. Am I that yeah. old? Um, literally, you're that. And, and you're yeah. like, wow, that is playing my mind. Man. Yeah. Crazy Train, to me, has to be one of the greatest hard rock metal riffs ever written. That there is just that was written by the old guitarist Randy Rose, Randy Rose, known as iconic from bringing neoclassical together with rock and roll and heavy metal. A very important member of the guitar shredding community. Yeah, and and this song here, I guess, like you said, it's just it's so good it even made it to I think Grand Theft Auto. Oh yeah, probably. It's just it's just a brilliant. I mean, again, it's a good song because it shows off. Ozzy's a very good singer, and the lyrics again are very much about us as human beings. We live in a world of so many, yet we see ourselves as so few that we don't want to work together. We all keep our separate lives, and we don't, we just don't work together. And it's actually so again, it's good lyrics. I always appreciate people have a story, to, a good story to tell. Uh, but the riff just sells. I just, I just love the song that much because of that riff, and also the other little licks he plays and how he slows it down. The, the intro is just like the din din, din din. Yeah. Dun, dun. and then from there he builds up to that nice chunky riff and that riff just every time I hear a riff in rock or metal I have to compare it to Crazy Train to see if it's better than that Crazy Train riff because that riff is that good Amen to that the one thing about Ozzy Osbourne for those of you guys who don't know obviously he was in Black Sabbath as well and the funny thing is in Ozzy it's completely different Black Sabbath is known notorious in fact for being a doom metal band and by that I mean very glum slow methodical uh, songs that were quite like low down tune Really, just sound like going through a cemetery almost. I guess doomy, like it's just like you're gonna meet your end. Yeah. Um, something you play at a cemetery for for people who are on acid, really bad acid, I must admit. Uh, but then with Ozzy Osbourne, it's the opposite. He's when he goes solo, he's quite happy. You see this yeah. other side of him where it's more jovial, more of a larrikin, pretty yeah. more to be on to be honest, more alongside of his day to day lifestyle. Yeah, he bleaches hair blonde as well at one stage, and he just like. Uh, Changes character. I it's guess, amazing yeah. what drugs do to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my number five. He's surprised me. I think you're shocked. So I think we might have to move to your number five. A band for me that made my number five was a band that I had actually attributed to being the best melodic death metal band of all time. These guys looked like they were going to crush the Juggernauts. And who I say was the Juggernauts in, I guess, Gothenburg, the home of melodic death metal in Sweden. Uh, a sound which you'd be very familiar with because it has kind of a death metal influence, but pop choruses. You know, it's, it's metal. But not as you know it. You know, it's more accessible, more catchy. It could make Eurovision. That's what I would consider melodic death to be, but with growls. Okay, yeah, cool. All right. Wait, are you with me? All right, good. Yeah, why not? I'm here. This band here uh, was not from Sweden, though. They were from Denmark. And this band here, I really thought were going to be the quintessential band for everyone like melodic death battle to pay tributes to, to, to bow down to, because they were going to be the kings, break up. 
Well, not necessarily. They then had a reformation where the singer, guitarist, one of the guitarists, the drummer and bass player and the keyboardist basically were mass exodus and that started new. I am talking about Denmark's very own Mercenary. I know, right? You, you wanted to know where I was going with that, didn't you? You love Mercenary, don't you, Matthew? I do love, mercenary. love mercenary. And uh, to be honest, the three albums which I attribute it to being some of the best albums ever written in metal, Eleven Dreams, Hours That Remain, but most importantly right now, my probably my favorite metal album from them, Architect Alive, was the, the swan song to the Mercenary 2.0, you could imagine, okay? Um this album in itself is an amazing array of different variations of styles that have come together with, as you can tell, Mikhail on vocals, who is a power metal vocalist by trade, but I think he's a little bit like Nevermore where it's got a little bit of depth, but he brings even more things like growls and screams and stuff. But the track that got me most excited was in fact not the heaviest one, Embrace the Nothing. This song here for me, for whatever reason, I just keep coming back to and getting a real kick out of. I think with other songs from them, I really, really enjoy. But there's something about this just kicks into it and shows that metal, even when it's contrasted against all the heaviness, can still be beautiful, but also have that darkness about it and those heavy um, vocals to a degree and definitely the heavy guitars. And this song beautifully puts together a mercenary sound, which is... A sound that I think Flames have run away from so far that they've run away from metal in itself. And I think at the best, Mercenary were just killing the opposition. Soil work, Scar Symmetry, In Flames had not much to compare to when it came to Mercenary in their prime. And it's just a shame these guys have broken up. Yeah. No, it's a great band. Yeah, you've you, you got a fondness for the band, don't you, Danny? Oh, definitely. More so all the Remains album because it's less depressing than some of the other Remain, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remain, it's great. I mean, my favorite is Simplicity of Demand. I just love that. Like, it's just a simple riff, but it's catchy and it's um, very engaging. Yeah. Even track two, yeah, oh, was it that Plague song? That's great as well. Yeah, look, i got to be honest. Hours That Remain is the most successful album that everyone can enter. It's so good that mum's even got it. But I think even with all my friends that are into metal have checked the album out and just fallen in love with it because it's such an easy album to get into. And it's even got Bjorn from Spoil So on the first track for Redefine Me. Again, another masterpiece of a song. That might have made my list as number one, but... Um, uh, for whatever reason, it didn't. Um, now we're getting into the top four, and I think now is where it gets a little bit like you were saying before at the start, where these songs can almost be thrown almost together anywhere. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's really arbitrary. Like, people getting offended just can't because, they, I mean, like, what do you, how do you number your best children? You can't. So here we go with number four, Danny. Well, number four for me, this is where nostalgia plays a big part because it's not... As that nostalgic as you may think, but it's still nostalgic for me personally. And this is Strapping Young Lads Detox. Holy shit, man. Detox is probably the first song I heard which got me into like the heavy... He wasn't really growling, but going to the heavy singing, the really heavy guitaring for what... Because before that, I literally just heard Purple, Sabbath, and Dio, and Maiden. So that was as heavy as it got. So when I heard Strapping Young Lads Detox, it just open up a whole new door for me and just got me really excited by like heavier things so for me this is a very personal and nostalgic song and one i still enjoy listening to not just nostalgic because it is a really great song it has a really great thrashy section it has a really cool breakdown groovy section in the middle and it keeps going it has a nice um when i was going through high school so it had the whole like high school reference lyrics in the middle and it's probably the only heavy metal song you'll hear with the guy saying dumb bugger in it so it's got a lot of positives going for it. Yeah, he was really angry at that time. And yeah. this album, I think, reflects in the teenagers at that time going through it. And I think that's what metal is so important as it's connecting to an audience that really needs a certain artistic or a certain outlet. 
and they did it beautifully and uh, mostly because he was going through the same things at the time I guess Devin Townsend now has evolved as a character and as a person where hearing angry parts isn't necessarily something he's into as much but he can use it as a source of inspiration uh, yeah but you're right as teenagers man this kind of stuff we're listening to at nauseam almost yeah it was just one and it had a film clip as well to help it so you actually get to see it on like I think Channel V back then. Like, wow, I actually get to see a metal film. Clip. Yeah, the band knew they were on to gold with that and whoever it was, the marketing team or whatever, and everyone knew who it was and God bless them, it was great. They went into good things to when they record the Alien album and stuff like that. And you can still dick out Devin Townsend right now, you know, with a more evolved sound. But uh, again, uh, a great person, uh, great music, great ideas, great band at the time. And uh, I guess some people would be really missing Strapping on Lad right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he Dev Dev Townsend's one of those guys who's completely changed his sound. Like you said, he's matured, he's less angry, he's got a different uh, thing in life. So that's why his sounds songs now are more about pretty much adult contemporary progressive nearly at the moment. But like that, that's why he wants to play good on him. But yeah, back, he always yeah. does whatever he feels. Even in yeah. interviews, we had a cousin of ours, and um, he, literally when you have uh, he had like this meet and greet slash guitar like anything, but he got to it and he started talking Devin Townsend when everyone was there and was like, you know what? I don't really feel like playing guitar. Are you guys cool with if we just chat? And it's like, wow, that's, I mean, it kind of like disarms you, but that's what the guy's like. He's very much, well, whatever I'm feeling is kind of how it's going to, if it's okay with your permission. And um, cool cat. Yeah, definitely. So that, that's for me. Very Stage is very important for me, and that's why I made it. I mean, it's about fourth might be a bit higher, but definitely top 10. For me, going into four now, you're going to start to hear basically, or for me, I just remembered how much, these bands coming up in the top four influenced my sound and me as an actual artist. Uh, people know me by my music that I play as well as what I like to talk about as well. And this band here uh, definitely is one of the most important bands, not only in my songwriting and that, but also I think a very important part of the metal community that didn't get the respect that they really should deserve. And I'm talking about the Swedish uh, metal onslaught of a band called Hypocrisy, a band that has evolved quite a lot. They've gone from a uh, different sound with them um, evolving on a death metal sound that um, literally, I think, on every album, you get a context that it'll, all those songs belong on the album, but work in accordance. And um, I really struggled because I uh, the End of Disclosure album, which was the latest one they released before they he went off and did Pain for a, uh, more of a focused thing and also the stuff with Lindman. Um, yeah, that had songs like The Eye on it and the song End of Disclosure and really good songs. And then I thought back to Virus, which had Warpath and one of my favorite songs of all time, Complete Psychosis. But I thought, you know, in general, a song that I really connect to emotionally-wise, not just uh, adrenaline of, of anger or frustration or power, is a song that has a little bit more than that. And that's a song called Solar Empire. Uh, a song off of uh, the taste of uh, Definity. I think it's Extreme Definity, I think it's called. Uh, the, the song is different in a sense that it just has uh, a, a passage in it that's far more sad but rocking at the same time. So they combined literally, and I think this is what a Pete Tango should get attributed for, is combining a very sad sound to a very anger sound, but both of emotions of those resonate through it. And um, do you experience that, Dan? Like two strong emotions sometimes coexisting in a song and you're going like, it's perfect. It's absolutely beautiful. This has actually got both at its highest degree. And he actually, does that ever happen to you a lot? Uh, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, there's always like a, a fine line between lots of emotions. Like, I mean, joy and sadness are only separated by a little bit. You, you both cry based on both emotions, but they're both uh, different. So you, you can see how you I mean, anger and excitement, again, you've based adrenaline-based emotions. So you're right, the very 
emotions can be quite close at times. The only fine line which separates us. So there is things where, I mean, the, the lyrics could send off a certain type of emotion, but the music could be uh, opposite it. So you might get a bit sad by the or pissed about the lyrics, but the music could be quite saddening at the same time. So you're right. You have, if you're very, if you're clever enough, you can actually create this double effect and I think on this on this song particularly he did not my favourite album from the band you know I would still think Virus V is their strongest from top to bottom in the death metal style however in the disclosure maybe uh, swap it for number one or if not a close second depends how I feel again look this is the way it is at this list and for me these bands they're at, they're at their highest point you know coming into their songwriting a great song a great band I really want to see this band come together again I think Pain are good you know don't get me wrong we reviewed the album we generally thought it was good we really enjoyed it but hypocrisy is his best bet, I think. Of for me, like yeah, maybe the maybe mm. the fans, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the fans are like, nah, pain is more accessible, and maybe it is, and it probably is. But um, great, great band, uh, very underappreciated, and I think coming into our next number three, maybe for me it is. But uh, let's talk about your number three, Danny. Yes, my number three is a band we all know, and it's a band which has gone from strength to strength. It's been around for several years now, even though people might have better songs they think which they've released recently but for me this is again a bit of nostalgia at hand and this is sugar and this is future bread machine oh my goodness yeah, yeah absolutely iconic that song is like band. again like detox this is one of the first like heaviest songs i ever heard we actually heard more growling and more intense playing where something with, i just heard it at first time i fell in love with it straight off the bat with a unique intro which has it i guess the um it sounds like but the guitar picking it, did, 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 yeah. and it goes yeah, it actually is it. guitar, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it cuts straight into it with the, the chunky riffing and the strong groove, and then like the classic Kidsman singing style. Then there's a the groovy part after, in the middle there. It just for me it was like it was really a song for me, which was like wow, this is this is great. I want to hear more of this style of music. Yeah, and and listen to more you did. You know they'd gone to write Chaos Fear after that album, which again was a very good album, more embellishing on the sound. Then they would find themselves into lower tunings. We're talking like seven string guitars. One of the first bands to really get into it. Kind of blow open the metal landscape now. You know, Gent's going to come after this as well. Uh, I guess the albums for them that was most strongest, I guess, Obzen and Coloss. You know, they did nothing album. But again, that was when they were kind of testing the formula, testing how to record these low guitars. Great band though, man. Oh, actually, sorry, it's eight string guitars. They had the seven string guitars on... Uh, the albums like Future, um, Destroy, Race, Improve, and Chaos Fear. Then went to eight string guitars. I mean, these things are low, aren't they, Danny? We're talking like bass. They sound like distorted basses, mm. don't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the like, good thing about this band. They they do try to change out. They do make it unique. I mean, people call it what mathematical, metal, etc. They aren't afraid to make it a bit tricky, a bit, I guess. Yeah, they impose different kind of uh, feelings or, or, or rhythms over what might just be a 4-4 rhythm, like literally just the, the symbols are crashing on the top yeah. and they move around it. So... So interestingly, and it gives it more engaging. It really does sound like metal smashing against metal, like you're in a factory somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's why certain people are become engineers and stuff like that. They love the the sound of metal clashing or like, you know, people who love cars. And this is like literally the, a primitive force, but done in a way that's interesting for an artistic sense, I guess. Yeah, I guess right. I mean, it's song, great song, great energy. They're, they're always a great band to see live as well. And it's just one of those songs which will forever shape who I am. And that's why it's... I like it. And one I can always come back to and say it's probably one of the best songs. Yeah, it really is, man. It really is one of their best songs. One of the most iconic songs, and for good reason. It goes through the motions a lot. One thing I think the band right now um, maybe could get back into again, who maybe not. Maybe people are happy where they are right now. Um, for me, definitely a good choice, Danny. Cool. So on to my number three. Yeah, ooh, ah. Again, 
there there is a band that everyone kind of calls home to a band that people return to um for whatever reason you know it might be nostalgia or it might be literally because everything these guys do might just sell it to you um for whatever reason it is uh, i have a band as well you guys know who they are they're nevermore oh no really wow people might be surprised they're number three you know, and for oh. that, I, I would say, well, yeah, you got a good point. I mean, these guys are the existence, the reasons why I got into metal so hard. I got into them at the drop of the Godless Endeavor album. Literally, when that album was released, I was like, oh, who are these guys? You know, I need to check them out. I bought the CD. And I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. I hate myself <sighs> for not getting into these guys sooner. Let me go ahead and fork out the money and buy every album that came before it. And I did. So, um, and found out that I had a really kind of taste for what they would do. And we've talked about it from the Dream and Neon Blackout, how it encapsulates a darkness and a sadness about it to a more accessible, yet yeah, probably a more of a stretch than that album with Dream, uh, Dead Heart and a Dead World, you know? You know, anything like that. We've also been talking about the album after that, Enemies of Reality, where it kind of threw together a mash of ideas, but unfortunately fell short with a terrible production team at the time. Mm. And it just completely took out the, the almost the heart and energy of the band at one point. However, there's one album that for me stands up above all of them, and it was the album that released Godless Endeavor. This album, for some reason, has every track which just is amazing. What is it about this album that you like a lot, Danny, though, Godless Endeavor? Uh, look, again, this is probably the the best sounding in production levels, which always helps. I think Dreaming on Black, even though it's a great album, the production wasn't as clear as this one. But this one here, again, you just have... Great riffs, uh, a lot of good poignant uh, lyrics, which Warren Danzig is good for. Uh, just a lot of diversity in their songwriting, where they come from like the sad songs to really like heavy songs like Psalms of Lydia and Born, which is a great one off the track as well. It has a bit more poignant uh, chorus to it, but it just has all the bag of tricks that Looms is good for. Diversity is the word you said, and no song is more diverse than any other than the title track of the album called Godless Endeavor. The last track for me is the most important track to I would show to people because it's literally Nevermore doing Nevermore at the very highest level on one single track. This thing is a beast. It starts off quite nice and soft. But it's layered. It's got all those beautiful guitar tones. They probably ripped off Brian May, but who cares? He's not doing Queen anymore. Um, Then he went off to... And they just layer again. Got the the guitar distorted comes on top of the drums, you know? Setting up it. And then as soon as that first riff hits, you know that every riff, after every riff, after every riff, is going to make sure that you want to make love to your computer screen or your car, CD player, or wherever you're listening to this song. Because I can't... I cannot describe... How inspiring must be that day writing this song? It is 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 pretty so once it cut, cut, cuts in from there, like it just cuts in. Wow, this is really catching heavy. And then when he when in Warren goes, what this FN life is for? Wow, this is really cool. I really get into connection. It's pretty much bad. We're just floating around on the on the third rock from the sun and. That's what life is. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. It is, it's what it is. And then eventually the the, uh, the sky will open and we will die. All oh, that line, you know, and that's the thing. It sets up and then welcome to the end, my friends. The sky is open. It literally does. And the way he sings it, it yeah. tears the, the fourth wall between you and the CD player. And then the riff kicks back in. But also the solo that is 
eye-wateringly, mm. mouth-dropping, uh, Viagra-inducing um, shred fest. You know that I'm talking about, that yeah. solo? Yeah. The riff that just precedes it, though, yeah. which is that... Groovy as shit, evil as crap. The riff that precedes that to the riff that precedes that. This thing just does not stop. Yeah. And if you're a guitarist and you don't know who what this song is about, buy The Godless Endeavor because every track, every solo, every um, section is a masterclass and you're doing yourself a disservice by sitting here listening to us when you should really listen to that album and really starting a Patreon account of getting this band back together Please because Nevermore's return. screw Arch Enemy nothing they're going to do is going to eclipse or even come close they've got the they got the weapon there and they're not going to use it and you hear this album and go you know exactly what I mean like we are not hearing an, uh, something of this caliber until Jeff Loomis is a free again yeah. Hashtag free Jeff Loomis. <laughs> Hashtag free Jeff Loomis. It is great. It is it is fantastic. And after the solo finishes, it starts to like wind down again. Like, oh, they're going to calm down and go to like a crescendo, uh, descending ending. But now, nah. then it starts back up again. Yeah. Holy shit, it comes back. And then it builds you up for like the last minute and a bit. And then it just hits you with that last full set. And you're like, wow. Yeah. And then as soon as that thing ends, it's emotional rollercoaster because like yeah. you've just lost your shit for the last seven minutes. And you just got to compose yourself again so you can go back to work or whatever your boring life wants you to do again. Your kids, maybe. Um, and I, I, but people are going to be confused why it's three. And for that, we need to go to number two, Danny, so we can tie a bow around this bad boy. And for your number two, what are we talking about? Well, my number two is nostalgia. And nothing spells nostalgia than probably... Without an N? <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Nothing spells nostalgia with that N or an O. S T A L G I. I see what you did. You made a joke. That's great, man. I'm really proud of what, what? you did. How do you spell nostalgia? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Your face. Oh. If it wasn't for nostalgia, quick, I had no doubt it's for nostalgia. Oh my god. Anyway, nostalgia again. Have you found out? It's very important to me. And I guess nothing spells nostalgia more so than the first hard rock metal band I ever got into, and that of course is Deep Purple. Oh, they yeah. were the start of everything for me, and like the last album called Infinite, they'll probably go on and they'll forever be a part of me and I will be ever thankful for understanding that this band existed and getting into this band. It yeah. is so, so great. There's so many great songs they have, so many songs I could pick, but the one song I had to pick is probably the most heaviest song and that is Perfect Strangers. Yeah, that is a song that people need to hear. Yeah. Like, it, people ask, are Deep Purple the heavy metal band that has started it all? And I think most people would agree it is, to be honest. But Lemmy reckons it was. Uh, most people think Black Sabbath, but yeah, Lemmy reckons Deep Purple. And I mean, like, apart from Doom Metal, if you want every other genre of metal, I think Deep Purple probably did it first from progressive to like power to like hard rock to like, funk, I don't know, metal, funk, yeah. folk. It yeah. all started from Richie Blackmore's guitar and Perfect Strangers probably be probably one of the first heavy pure heavy metal songs it is just brilliant it's just again takes you on the journey uh the lyrics are based on uh, a guy living in through several lifetimes knowing that he's lived through different lifetimes and never being able to reach out to his former self type thing one of those whole like existential type issues and the song takes you on that journey where like the um the haunting aura with the hammond organ in the background but of course the whole the whole point of the song is just that chunky Perfect yeah. Strangers riff. I was going to say, oh. the whole point of the song is the lyrics. Like, nah, it's not, man. Nah. It's that freaking riff, man. <laughs> it's that riff. It's just brilliant. Oh, it's just one of those riffs. I mean, Timmy Borgia tried to do it. They didn't do a good job of it. Um, Lorne, which is the guy who sung with Russell Allen, he does actually a decent cover of Perfect Strangers, but 
The original is always the best because of the way how haunting it's sung by Ian Gillen and the Hammond organ and how well the song's just written. Mm. And what they even did better when it came to, like, I think, one of the live versions, they actually changed the ending to it to make it like this whole, like, dan, 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 dan. They changed up the ending and makes it even more dramatic and more dynamic and it's it's just a great song probably one of the starts of many bands <laughs> that's something they yeah. created probably many bands and you people will honestly want to go towards Black Knight and Smoke on the Water and that is because those songs managed to break into a commercial outlet but you're right that song itself is just the strongest song in general and it's just a song that's just you got to experience it it's just really iconic to heavy metal to, to rock to, to what a good song should sound like yeah definitely I'd say you don't need Overproduced, you don't need massive heavy distortions or double kicks or all that bells whistles. You just need a solid riff and sung and played with conviction and meaning, and you get there. Yeah, and although Deep Purple these days aren't tackling those themes as much anymore as far as the sound wise, I think with their new album, they're still kind of keeping that tune and going. And I think for that, they should be acknowledged and respected for it. And they're doing quite well to keep a sound relevant, even though it's hard to you know keep a band relevant, I guess. Oh, yeah, so many changes. I guess Richie Blackmore wrote the songs and he's left. But, I mean, yeah, Lacey Bebel, we reviewed this year. Oh, I thought it was great. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, so that was my second song. Well, what's going to be Nevermore? How oh, about no, a actually. song yeah. that tears other songs apart? Now, um, this band in general isn't better than Nevermore for me. And I think Nevermore will always have a home um, as my favorite band of all time. And even, like, even though there's two songs before it, uh, the band, I still, as you know, what I feel about it. However... I bought an album and from a band that was is my favourites and this guitarist unfortunately is being underutilised now in a band that is very, very successful, much like Loomis. Yeah, yeah. I, sing- I thought we already talked about Loomis. I, I know, right? But here he is again, a guitarist that was taken away or had no other choice but to join another lawyer band or whatever and he's seeing much success in it. However, his songwriting was never the same when he was doing his own thing, right? The band I'm talking about is Old Man's Child. Now, a lot of people don't even know who they are. Uh, for they, they might be seen as an undercard or a band that maybe is lesser because as you know right now, Golder, the guitarist, main guitarist, songwriter for Old Man's Child is in Demi Borgia now, making probably quite an honest living right now, I'd imagine, playing songs that um, he helped create. But uh, I really get the feeling that when you listen to a Golder song, is it just, it's a better feeling than when you listen to anything else from Demi Borgia. Uh, people argue me with that and that's fine um, but the most important song which made number two for me is a song from the album Slaves of the World yeah okay very good yeah yeah this, I mean the cover itself kind of screams holy shit get yeah. ready for it yeah uh, the band was known for their black and metal, uh, black metal, melodic death metal, kind of hybrid. They're kind of teasing between having catchy riffs, but also evil sounding ones. However, the album, this album dropped at the end of their uh, band cycle and it looked sinister, didn't it? That album, that album cover, oh, like that brutal. is evil. Mm. And then we start listening to the songs. You really get how a feeling how the band's moved away from that kind of tone to a very darker and sinister tone. And nothing spells out more sinister, dark. This is the epiphany of, for me, right to this very moment of a song that encapsulates the sound of what Satan would play on his guitar <laughs> if he owned a, owned a six string, right? Yeah, yeah. And this song is called Saviors of Doom. Yeah. As soon as the first chord <laughs> drops, you know you're going to have a good time. But people are going to know your presence, you know? And people are going to know the presence of a fucking speaker system, right? And then all of a sudden, it drops. These two hits on the... It's just one hit on the toms with his two hands. 
And I mean, how about that? How about yeah. this for an intro? The Tom starts to build it up and you're just <laughs> feeling the adrenaline course through your veins, through every fiber of your being, through every muscle, through every bone. You are ready to destroy something. Bang. He then says, here we go. Golda on yeah. the microphone says it and off the riff goes. Yeah. Off the drums go yeah. and you are on. You are on board for this song now and you are now the e- the song. It is yeah. part of you. you. Everything around you doesn't matter, right? You're going to hear, and then he comes at you with a different riff now. The next riff comes, it then puts you off guard, right? You know, bang, another riff hits after it, you're back again, right? It literally unsettles you and unnerves you, but it, it creates tension. And every tension involved in every riff and every keyboard thing, whatever, is all about it to the very last riff before it goes into the intro again kind of thing. And that is where one of the best riffs ever written has ever made onto a CD um, this album, this song is just a masterpiece and it is the epiphany of why I know I'll be a metalhead for a very long time. And I just have to tell people that if you want a song that, um, as a metalhead that you can get into and everyone I've shown this song to just really get, uh, yeah, this song does not screw around. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it is the embody, it is the embodiment of what metal is. It is embodiment of what a good song is and how to get across an emotion that no other genre could even Imagine to, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Matt's correct. I mean, what how Matt said and how he's like got across. I just want to listen to the song again because it is that brilliant. Right off the back, where he goes like, "Here we go," and the next line is like, "Dark Prince of the oh, the wow, the wow." It's satanic. Shit. You probably read those lyrics out of context to be like, "That's garbage," and you're probably right. Yeah. But that's the thing about Gorda is then when he puts these songs into the songs he creates, it doesn't matter what he sings. In fact, I think for one album, he actually improvs his vocals on it. That's how much it doesn't matter what you sing, but it is the uh, way of how you yeah. sing it. And right now, nothing screams more than Saviors are doing for me. Yeah, and that's fair point. And it's even funny because in the middle, it has a really catchy melodic part. Like, this is really cool yeah. and I'm really grooving and dancing. And then it cuts into follow up one of the fattest riffs ever. Like Matt's fattest saying, like, riffs. It's amazing. All that good stuff. All that good stuff. I can listen to this song at six o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. Doesn't matter when I hear it. If I'm hearing this song, I'm up and I'm ready to fight the next battle. You know, it's actually funny. It actually doesn't start that confronting. It's not like Conquer always starts a dan dan. This starts. Yeah. Uh, this starts of like uh, just a little bit of a weird drum riff. Yeah, yeah. But it's something about it. That's something like it's just cool. It's catchy, but it's not like oh wow, I'm not expecting this. Yeah. But as soon as that the band drops in, here we go. It's a, I'd mosh to it. Even if I was 100 years old, I'd find a way mm-hmm. of getting into my crippler instead of my wheelchair, into my walking stick and making a real goal of it. Yeah. Because um, if it, it, this is how I go in this world, I think, is having a heart attack listening to that song because I'm just pushing myself too hard. Yeah. I absolutely love the song. I love everything about Golda. I think he's being underutilized in Demi Borgir. But again, he was not going to care because he's earning the amount of money he probably deserves and entitled to. I'd say he's a, he deserves to earn more, even more than that. This guy should be earning Metallica money. So good God speed, old man's child. I'd love to see you back. For some reason, Central Media kicked him off the label, not making enough money. Uh, look, it's not Central Media's fault if they if they're not selling him. I I blame Metalheads. Just go out there and buy the album, buy this song ten times. Even if you don't want to buy the album for twenty bucks, buy this song ten times. That's the album. Get this band back together. Hashtag save old man's child. Excellent. All right. Should we now do our number one? Number one. Well, you know, before we get to our number one, it's good to maybe talk about some other songs that maybe came to your mind, Dan, that didn't make it. Did I say anything tonight that you were like, yeah, I forgot that band? 
Or maybe you're just like, oh, you know what? I'm pretty happy with that list. There's nothing coming to my mind. I spent more than five minutes thinking about a list. Oh, I mean, there's there's other songs, of course, which you always think you're very excited to hear. I mean, I'm trying to stall now because I can't. Well, yeah, for me, remember. Soil Work, you know, yeah, they're a band that. that was massive. Um, Follow the Hollows. Follow the Hollows was great. Even stuff off of like Bastard Chain off of the album just before it, Predator's Portrait, you know. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah, got a, a border necrotic manifesto. So you love that album, man. It's oh, one yeah, of your favorite albums, albums of all time. Yeah, that song itself is just a brilliant song. That, that's actually got the song which got us into aborted. So that's yeah. great. I bought every I got every single Dream Theater album up until I think Octavarium. And um I'm surprised none of it made my list, but just thinking about a soul song, I just even though I listen to them quite a lot, even for me, one of my favorite albums, uh being uh the the Blackened album, I think it's called. What was it called, sorry? Uh, Taste uh which one? Oh, you had Fegal Forgery. He had yeah, train of thought. So train of thought, yeah, with train of thought. So a band that was really great, you know. And a lot of times I think that Machine Head oh, I was thinking at one point, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Machine Head could have well we even could have made the list. Death, I think Scavenger yeah. from Sorrow. I had that on my maybe list, and yeah. I was like, oh, what am I going to do? Um, a, be- a song that I think needs special mention, which isn't technically a metal band, but the song is a metal song. And that's Pendulum. They did a song within Flames called Self versus Self. This is the sound. This, funny enough, in uh, Soil, uh, in Flames, sorry, haven't been able to capture that sound. In the newer albums, how they managed to write a heavier song with a drum and bass band, uh, than they have been able to with the last uh, three outings, is is literally a disappointment. And I think that's why I'm like, if you did more collaborations with these artists more than doing your original our stuff, you would actually have better material. Interesting. Well, so mind blow. There we, mind blow. Mind blow. But you know, again, it's, even though it wasn't a metal band per se, it was a great song that people should really listen to. And if you're a melodic death metal fan, check out Pendulum Self versus Self. It is a it is an inflamed song. It just has all those uh, drum and bass uh, ideas taken to it because yeah, it really is from start to finish an inflamed song. Well, on that note, should I say my number one? I think you mean our number one list. Yeah, I mean. it's actually the, the only song that I said. Straight off the bat, Matt, this is definitely my top 10. And Matt, like, wow, that's definitely my top 10 as well. Yeah. And this song here, I only, even though I've been a big fan of the band and the artist for a long time, I only recently, I only found out about this probably about 10 years ago, which you may say that's like 10 years ago, but no, no, since I've been around for 30 years, that's actually quite recent. This song here, it's just every sense of the word, it's like an epic song. You have like jazz standards and classical standards. This is like a metal anthem. This is yeah. the song every metalhead must have and must listen to at least once in their life because this one here is so fitting of what metal stands for and what metal is and how you can just combine all elements to make a great, powerful song. And is there anything else you want to add, Matt, before we reveal it? The only song, the only name I can really attribute to this song is storytelling at its finest. And when people talk about a song being about a story, uh, this is literally every part of the machine working towards making the story work better. And I think one thing I can say is there's a fine line between music and music and self-indulgence. People who write music to for themselves or people who write music to make a point or, or tell a story and I think this was the most disciplined I've ever heard the band at and to be honest any really hard rock metal band coming in towards it thinking about what songs can lie against these and I, I really can't think of any now this song here was done back in the 80s so it was quite new to the metal world I guess metal was just still having establishing itself but this song I have to say it now because there's no point delaying more. Was from the band of all bands, Rainbow, and the song is called Stargazer.
should be no surprise to anyone who that knows Rainbow. Stargazer is probably their best, famous favorite song for good reason. Yeah. Danny, what is it about this song that just encapsulates any fan who listens to it to make it one of their best songs? Yeah, I mean, the, the amazing thing about this song is that how well the music and the lyrics and the flow of the song all marry together to form a song. I have never heard anything written as well as this song or composed, should be the word, as this song. It is brilliant. From the opening drum riff to when it cuts into the orchestra feels to the um, the verse where Ronnie James Dio, I mean, one of the greatest things of all time with Ronnie J- with uh, Richie Blackmore, one of the greatest songwriters of all time, pairing up. It's just a masterpiece. Where like the song is pretty much about the whole guy being like he's under like let's say the spell. He's enslaved by our wizard, which can be anyone. It can be anyone imprisoned by their work, imprisoned by their life, imprisoned by something higher being. Where every day you always under the same punishment, under the hard hardships, and you. Just, you do all your work to build up something grand that you can never be rewarded for, you never get to, but at the end of it, all your like, adversity goes away and you come out on top and you're coming back to your home where you want to be and that's what the song pretty much is about. Uh, they, they say in the form of a wizard and the wizard falls at the end, but it can be about any hardships around that nature. Mm-hmm. But the way the song, I mean, how it's sung where like it goes high noon I sell myself water and the music in the background play with the orchestra I think the Austrian Philharmonica playing back with the strings and violin it just the verse sets up the pace beautifully then when it cuts into the chorus you go Ronnie James is like in the heat and the rain dun, 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 with whips and chains dun, 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 dun. like every hit like that it's just like mm. sounds like he's reinforcing into him the pain he's going through the angst he's going through the anger he feels about his situation and that just keeps getting pounded into you with the vocals and the music and then at the end of it it goes into like comes back into the verse but then goes into the solo and the solo again it's nicely done Richie does what he needs to do with solos mm. they're just fantastically written mm. he does a solo and at the end of the solo he keeps like going higher and higher and higher and higher but then at the end of the solo he starts to drop off like do 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 so the guitar's falling and straight back into it yeah. the the lyrics you go back to Ronnie James Dear saying and the wizard falls instead of rising so it's like the, the solo mimics the words and then it just all comes into a beautifully written piece it's just it's just so well written and yeah. so well married it's just a masterpiece yeah it would have been hard because obviously these guys at the top of their level they could have done a song whatever and they had both are guilty of just writing something that like maybe was just something that came easy to them and whatever but this song really did sound like a lot of work went into it but also like you said Danny so much conviction with every instrumentation every performance from the, each member of the band it's just so much conviction and they all get a chance to shine there's no one with Richie Blackmore you know, you really get Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, but this is Rainbow. This is literally a band song. This is a, this is the the orchestra, the guitars, drums, singing. Loved it. This, and I think for me, like you said, it's one thing that's to stick through all this time. And for us, we grew up with these an access to metal from these bands. However, I don't think this isn't a nostalgia thing. This is a song that literally I think people can listen to and be like, it's a great song. And um, yeah, you're doing yourself a disservice not to to listen to it because. You might go out and listen to Led Zeppelin, for example, who do similar things, and maybe they might have been attributed to doing it beforehand. However, these guys perfected it. I mean, this song here is a perfection of how to have a, a an epic song, long in length, but also plenty of emotion and one have a ride, Danny. It definitely, and even how it just ends, where it just keeps going. Like Richie, 
Where I just go, he's coming my home, home, I'm coming home, coming yeah. home, my fleeter. And all that, and just the guitars, and just the big noise, and the big sound, and it keeps coming. They feel the passion of this guy finally being able to break free from shackles and finally go back to where he really wants to be. And he just, it just comes across so well with the music. It's just so epic and so beautiful and we were lucky enough to see it done live last year yeah oh, that was nuts that was amazing it's good times man good times we have it all and what was a good time was listening to back to these uh, top 10s lists I really had a great time I really want to thank Ben Saunders out there for suggesting this list because it's something that I actually to be honest love to talk about is out my favourite songs and to have someone out there who just threw it out there and wants to hear about it is uh, means a lot you, know, you guys are, are really nice to keep joining us uh, every week and uh, we appreciate it and for that day, we've hit the end of our show. Yeah, we, yeah. and I, I would like to say as well, thank you very much for like listening to us, supporting us. Or we, we do really do appreciate any time someone comments on our page or listens to our podcast. It does really mean a lot. Even if we only get one listen a week, that is still for us a massive thing for one person yeah. if he wants to listen to us. Just ramble about that, something we really love and appreciate it. So we thank you for this year and we're going to keep going. There's no reason for us to stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll keep and, going. And with that, guys, make sure you head over to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro or our Twitter, twitter.com forward slash supermetalbro. Leave a comment, you know, whatever you guys want us to cover. You know, maybe you want to uh, talk to a certain band, uh, review a certain CD or cover a certain metal news story that you think is really important because we love doing all three of them, to be honest, Danny. I think that's why we're going to keep doing this year. Yeah, definitely. And like they say, and in the words of Ronnie James Dio, I need to sell myself water nine years after breaking my back. It's only been one year though, Matt. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We have been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll catch you next week.